purpose-driven culture, and we bring our culture more than we ever want to admit into our thinking uh, when it comes to our relationship with God and our interpretation of the Scripture. And sometimes it just shakes us a little bit to read the Scripture. Leonard Ravenhill, a great revivalist, said these words. He said, one day someone's going to pick up the Bible and read it, and all of us are going to feel foolish. You know, sometimes we get to go on and on about things that are not even uh, not there. And uh, certainly today there is one. I'm going to call your attention. Uh, there's a passage of Scripture in Second Corinthians chapter 2, and Paul's developing thing. We'll talk about that here in a minute. But he says in verse 14, Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Now that's a uh, New King James Version Bible. That's one I like. Uh, it's really not a good translation, though. And I'm going to show you that uh, here in just a moment about what it really means to have victory uh, in this world and uh, as, as the Christian life, as uh, Christian experience is presented in Scripture. Now, uh, real quickly, you don't take any verse out of its context. Right. So right in that context, there is a very important verse right before it where Paul is talking about coming to Troas, it was a city, and he wanted to meet Titus there, and Titus wasn't there. What, what's going on here? In our New Testament, we have First and Second Corinthians. But in reading both of those letters in the book of Acts, we realize there were really four letters that Paul wrote to Corinth. Uh, we have two of them, which we call First and Second. We know this, Paul founded the church at Corinth on his missionary journey, and uh, they had great success, and the church was organized, and he put leaders in charge, and as his... Uh, M.O. was, he left and went to work in another place, and then he'd come back and visit them. When he came back to visit them, his heart was broken. Some people had come in since he was there, had taken over the church that he had founded, were leading the people astray. The folks were not recognizing Paul's leadership, and Paul was just broken over it, so he left, and he went to Ephesus, and there at Ephesus, he wrote him a letter, and if you read Second Corinthians, you'll see he said it was pretty much a hot letter he wrote to them. Uh, straightening them out about what you know was going on, and he, he was he was he in his own words, it was a hard letter. So he gets worried about it. So he sends Titus to Corinth to say, find out how they're responding to my letter. You know, no no cell phones, no no internet. You know, I have to say this, the obvious. You no know, social media. No social media. <laughs> no, no Twitter. Way, only way to know is to get uh, someone to go and find out. So he said, here's what's happened. He said, I. We'll meet up in Troas, Titus. You go check them out, and then I'll come to Troas. Well, he leaves Ephesus. He goes to Troas. Well, Paul never takes a day off. So while he's in Troas, he starts preaching the gospel, and revival breaks out. It says in verse 12 that a great open door uh, came to me. That's the same phrase he used when he went to Ephesus, and we have chapters in the book of Acts about the explosion of revival and spiritual awakening that took place in Ephesus. So it happened in Troas too. But Paul's not thinking about it. His heart's not in it because his heart is broken. He's concerned. He's worried. I'm not going to read you all the scriptures, but later in 2 Corinthians he refers back to it and actually uses a word that spiritual darkness had come upon me. He was in depression over what was going on. So Paul, uh, Titus didn't show up. He didn't understand what the problem was. Well, later he is finally reunited with Titus and finds out they've received the word, they've repented, and he you know, goes and visits them and writes uh, uh, subsequent letters to them uh, as well. So it's in this context of a broken heart, a pastor, an apostle's broken heart over a church that he loved and started and founded, and now it's in turmoil, and he's so worried uh, about that that he says that word, I said, now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And I told Kurt to give me the liberty here to set this up just a little bit because um, 
the, the imagery Paul is using here, and he uses it many times in his letters, is an imagery that all of his readers would have very known very well. And it was the imagery of Rome uh, and the empire that they were, the great Roman Empire. And what they would do, they, were, they would conquer cities and conquer nations, conquer kings, but when they would do it, they were a very benevolent empire, very good to the people they conquered. And they let them practice their religion, and as long as they paid taxes and all of that, they were, they were fine. But every once in a while, as you would imagine, somebody a long ways from Rome that had been conquered by Rome said, we don't want to pay our taxes anymore. We're going to set up our kingdom the way we want it. We're rebelling. Well, when that happened, the emperor would send the Roman army and a general to the offending territory, and they'd wage war. And because they were so good at waging war, they would conquer these people. And the king himself, or whoever rebelled, they would bring them as slaves back to Rome. Now, when they came back and got close to Rome, this is where we have historical accounts of this taking place. You can read about it, or many of them, the actual details of what went on. But basically, the Roman general's coming in. He's conquered this nation that rebelled. And the king itself is in tatters and irons, chains, as well as other leading people that, that rebelled. And he's coming in, and the people begin to line the streets. They, they start lighting incense, and they, they start shouting. And sometimes some of the spoils of the victory they would throw out to the people. And the king is making his way, well, the general, I should say, is making his way in the procession, the parade, to the temple of Jupiter where he'll make an offering. And then the slaves themselves, or the conquered ones, many of them will be executed. Now, what does all that mean? All that imagery is behind it. What's Paul talking about here? He's talking about where he fits in that. Now, where do we fit in that as believers? Uh, where, 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 where are we? Are we the conquering general? Well, we know we're not that. That's Jesus, you know. Are we in the uh, chariot with the conquering general, listening to all the people? Are we part of the crowd that's just cheering him on? Are we part of his soldiers that have won the great battle? Uh, are we the slaves that have been conquered? Now, you would pick any of those yes. except the slaves. But that's exactly <laughs> what the Word says here. We are the ones that have been conquered. And it makes sense, Kurt, because uh, Paul said, I was an enemy to the church of God. Yes, I was an did. enemy to God. But God came on the road to Damascus and conquered him. God, he, he put down his rebellion and conquered him. And then Paul constantly in the scriptures refers that he is a slave. He's a, a, a bondservant to Christ. And then he also makes allusions to the fact that uh, he dies daily, those, those type of things. Oh, very much so. And that's, that's one of the things you and I were talking about just before we came on tonight. And the, one of the things that came up to me is even 1 Corinthians 9, you know, 26 mm. to 27, where it says, So I do not run aimlessly. I yes. do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, least after preaching to others, I myself could be disqualified. Mm -hmm. Wow. Exactly. Paul, who was responsible for, you know, the salvation of the nations pretty much, right? Mm -hmm. You know, he goes out there and he's doing the work. He's plowing the ground. He's preaching. He's planting churches. And then all of a sudden you read in his letters, I'm beating myself daily so that I can qualify. What, wait a minute. Hold on. I thought you were running the race. Yes. But he says, uh, but so that I can qualify to run the race, I must beat myself daily so that I stay in a disciplined state so that I don't disqualify myself from beginning what I'm called to do. 
Well, that is that. See, Paul's constantly using the imagery of of the culture he lived within. Yes, and that the Roman Empire, those it's been games and all that. But think how many times when we really read the Scripture, Paul refers to the Christian life as one of which is, you know, he's he's died a death. Uh, you know, he he no longer exists. He lives for Christ in him, uh, and you know, we we don't talk like that. Uh, as yes. much today, I got a few scriptures I want to read just later in Second Corinthians. We read from chapter two where he's talking about this, but in chapter four he said these things about his life. Now listen what he said. He said we're we are hard pressed on every side, yet we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but yes. not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Look at this. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. These these sold these conquered slaves were being led to their execution. Some would be pardoned to be slaves the rest of their life, but most of them would be executed at the end. You say, what what kind of imagery is that? Exactly what Paul says here. He says we're carrying about in our body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our body. That death is working in us, so that life may work in you. So you know that that's the Christian life. I used to tell my testimony for years, <clears throat> Kurt. And I would I would always talk about when I when I became a Christian at at Ingle Stadium in Chattanooga on September the twenty third, nineteen eighty, and I would tell the story, and then I would say, you know, that night when I looked up to heaven and said, you know, if this preacher's telling the truth tonight, God, I need this in my life, and uh, I would always say this. I said, at that point, God said He's telling the truth, and God reached down out of heaven and killed Barry Klingon. That sounds pretty wild but then he raised me up in a new creation and you know what's so funny about the night I became a believer when God conquered my rebellion and conquered my life is that uh, I knew when minute I stood up I was oh, yeah. different I didn't I didn't know anything about the Bible I didn't have any ability to even open it and begin to read it you know but I knew I was different I knew he had touched me that night and he conquered me and that's the way it's supposed to be it's supposed to we're supposed to live you know for him let his life live through us now as you were just speaking the verse and uh, Colossians came out of the chapter 3, verse 1. If you have been raised with Christ, seeking mm -hmm. the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are of the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Think about it. If you and I being the conquered ones. You know, we mm -hmm. were conquered and made slaves, but we were slaves because of we of choice. We yes. chose to allow him to conquer us. So he doesn't beat us. We have to subject ourselves to say yes. a submission to him. But because of our submission, we died with him at Calvary. And mm -hmm. on that third day, we were raised again with him in life. What does that mean, though, for us as dead men? We don't have the right to complain. Yes. We don't have oh, the right to sit now. there and you know worry. We don't allow have the right to allow fear to grip our hearts. It doesn't mean that we don't have these battles. It doesn't mean that we don't have these things that are trying to come against us, but it means that in Christ those things are dead to us and he has made us a new creation so that it gives us even a greater ability to make our flesh be subjective to him. It, it, it's on every page uh, of, of the New Testament. Yes. And yet, most of the time, we preachers are guilty of telling you how you 
God, find God's will for your life, and you, 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 you can do this, and God will do this, and you know, it's, it's almost like a, you know, uh, you know, I don't like to use the word prosperity because I people say, "Are you a prosperity preacher?" I always say, "Yes." And they say, "You are," and I say, "Yeah, I'm not a poverty preacher, that's for sure." You know, so I, I understand what those terminology, but this idea that Jesus somehow exists to make me great in this life, that that is so opposite what the gospel says and you know i'm I thinking when you were saying that about death and how we find that on there how does that live out in our life well uh, you know i thought a really good story that happened uh, that there was one of the great stories in the christian uh history that happened back in the 60s when a, a group of young christians dedicated went into uh present-day ecuador area and there were a group of indians in that area that had never been reached they were cannibalistic and they determined they were going to go in there. And uh, Elliot was uh, one of the main guys, Nate Saint, others. They went in there. They left their wives behind. They went in. They started dropping the little plane they had, gifts down, trying to get ready. And then they finally made their contact, and they all lost their life. Young, yes. dedicated, uh, you know, men. And, and Elizabeth Elliot wrote a book about it and, uh, you know, kept that, that story alive. And it was just a modern-day mission uh, missionary story it was powerful but here's here's what i love nate saint was one of the guys on that trip and years and years i tell the story all the time years and years ago uh, later i mean after that happened someone was down there that was a friend of nate saints and wanted to see the place where he was killed and so one of the missionary pilots flew him over the little area near the river where it happened and, you know over the roar of the engine in the plane he said they're right down there so that's where nate saint died and the guy that was you know uh you know, there is his friend to say it. He goes, he shook his head no. And the guy's like, look, you're not from here. I'm from here. I know that's where it happened. Don't don't argue with me. That's where he died. And Come so on. They, they get back and they, they land and, you know, they, you know, he says, you know, what, 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 what was going on? And he said, well, you said that's where Nate died. He said, it is. And he said, no. He said, Nate, I saw where Nate Saint died. He died when he was 12 years old, or whatever the story exactly was. But when he gave his heart to Jesus at the yeah, altar right. of a church in, in, uh, back in the States. And, and I, you know, that, you know, that's a cute story, but it's a true story. And, you know, you know people are talking about this virus going around. And, and you, know, I, I, you know, God has assigned me a post. And That's my right. post is to be pastor of the church at Trophy Lakes. I'm wonderfully privileged to be able to do that. And a minute now, in ministering to them, there may be times you know we never think about this in the modern world. But there may be times there might be danger involved. Now we take care of ourselves. We do. We're not. We're not being stupid. You know, we're going to jump in a bunch of you know virus cells and try to say I'm I'm more than conquerors. We're not doing all that stuff. We're 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 being smart. But yet, if I'm called upon to minister, I'm going to go. And you say, well, pastor, you could die. No. I'm already dead. I mean, it's amazing how easy... Well, this is profound, what I'm about to say here. Come it's on. Ama amazing how life can be led with great victory if you're dead. That's a, that doesn't even make sense, you know. It's amazing how much freedom you have. It's amazing how much... Uh, you know, somebody was telling me the other day how worried they were about their 401k and their retirement plan. And I said, you know, I don't worry about mine. He goes, well, why? Just because you're a Christian. I said, no, because I don't have a 401k. So, you know, it's easy not to worry about it if you don't have it, you know. So, you know, that's the way with our life. Why, why are we going to be consumed with all this anxiety? Paul said to live as Christ and die as gain. I'm just like Martin Luther King on the night before he was assassinated when he said longevity has its place. I want to live a long life. But he said, if I don't, I know I've been faithful. And I've been to the mountaintop, as he said. And so I just want to live faithful every day. So if I don't have tomorrow, uh, you know, 
to live as Christ and die as gain. It's a free, it's not just a freedom over death. It's a freedom over the worries, the anxieties, and everything. You don't have to worry about these, these things. Oh, brother, come on. That, that preach. That, that is so good. <laughs> what would happen if you, myself, anyone that's watching this broadcast, that's if good. anybody begins to ask themselves, is there an area that I have not let die on the cross with wow. Christ? Think about it. Anytime, even like me with work, whenever I get stressed, or a situation that comes up at the church, or something that comes up with someone else's work, or in their family, with their children, with their spouse, it doesn't matter. If mm -hmm. you allow that to conquer you, Mm -hmm. And you allow that to become That's something it. that worries you, that begins to put a grip on you. Almost, I guess you could say, put its talents in you. Yes. Almost like a big eagle putting its talons in its prey. Yes. You know, if you allow that thing to overcome you, it has become almost an idol before God. Because God says that you are greater than the thing that's on this earth that's coming that's against you. He says that you are more than a conqueror. He says that yes. you are already dead. Which if you're already dead, then that thing was not subject to you because you are in a way, immune to it because you're not alive. You're alive in Christ. If you're alive in Christ, death has no hold on you. Mm -hmm. So if death has no hold on you, then there's nothing for death, anger, you know, whatever the situation is, is to grip upon because you're already, what does it say back in Corinthians 3? You're already hidden in Christ. Christ. Yes. So if we're yes. hidden in Christ and we're tucked away in the, the folds of his garment, so to yes. speak, the enemy, really, when he sees you and me, if we're really in the secret place with him, that yes. means he's not seeing you and me. He's yes. seeing Christ. Why? Because that's why Paul tells Timothy and all of his disciples, he says, look, be imitators of me. He didn't say that because he wants him to be little Pauls. He goes, be imitators of me as I'm an imitator of Christ. Christ. Why? Right. Because if we're imitating the one that's mentoring yeah. us, that's chasing after God with everything that they are, they're doing their best to model themselves after Christ. At that point, we are becoming an image of Christ because we're all chasing after Jesus. Exactly. That is. See, that's that's the power. That's the practicality yes. of it too. Uh, you know, I, I I can tell you this, and we all do this every day. That's why Paul said, "I choose to die daily." It, it's not a one-time. It is a one-time thing when Christ comes into your life, but it also is a living it out each day oh, because yes. the, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, all of these things will enter in and try to. To pull you, and so here's the the area you start worrying about, the area that you feeling anxiety towards. That's an area that you know you haven't died uh, to, oh, and yeah. it's an area maybe the Lord is dealing with you in, in that area to say it's His. Uh, I use the illustration all the time. By the time we were broken into in our house, you know, and I came back and it's just. You know, if you've ever had a thief steals from you, you just know how angry that makes you. And I mean, it was just like, you know, he had no right to be in my house and take our stuff. You know, what, what, you know, just angry. And then I realized, you know, and I kind of made a joke about it, but it's true. I said, Lord, somebody stole your TV. Somebody stole your computer, Lord. See, if, if you know, that's kind of like almost being, you know, funny, or, uh, but it's, that's the reality. If it's his house, if it's his stuff, if it's his car, Truly, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to be a good steward of it. But I'm going to going to trust him. You know, with that thing. That's that's the same true. When you know, I can't articulate it exactly the way someone said it very well. But someone said it tremendous when they said something about when you get to the end of your life, if you fear death, 
so much. That means that you truly haven't given that lordship of, hey, of come on. you know, to Christ, you know, because it, the things you're trying to hang on to, you know, or the things we really should have released a long time ago uh, in our lives. And, I, you know, I'm finding that true with this, you know, virus thing going around and all that's happened with it is the fear has just, you know, been incredible in people's lives. And, you know, I, I want to say at some point, when are you going to live? You know, if you go home and lock yourself in the house forever, and I'm not talking about, you know, doing things that we need to do with quarantine times and all that stuff. I'm not, I'm not talking about But overall, if that fear grabs you so much, I'm so afraid I'll get the virus and die. To live as Christ, to die as gain. Yes. That is an absolute liberating thing. When you've been conquered, you don't have to struggle anymore. You don't have to worry anymore. You're able to release those things. So it's it's a powerful thought that's all throughout Scripture. And, and you know, I, I go back to our text there on 14 just for a minute, Kirk, to say that, oh, yeah. you know, a lot of people come to this passage and they have a hard time because they want to be up there in the chariot with Jesus, you know, and having everybody, you know, <laughs> shout us as we go through go through life and, and to really realize it that way, that that's what it is. I, like, another uh, translation says it like this. I think it's so great. It says, but thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession. It's his, he's the triumphant one. He's the one that gets the glory and honor, and he's leading us as captives in his procession, his parade. It's not my parade. It's his parade. And, you know, so I'm back there now in that imagery, and this is a crazy imagery, but I've been conquered and defeated by King Jesus, and I'm shouting praise to him. He's the one that conquered me. That's He's right. the one that's made a difference in my life. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful thing uh, for him uh, to do that in our lives. You know, another thing that perfectly illustrates what you're talking about, Paul continuously says, I'm a bond servant to Christ. Mm -hmm. A bond servant. In our daily language today, a lot of people don't understand that, that simply means a slave by choice. Yes. And to kind of give an example of how that looks is on the day of release, you know, the people that decided that they wanted to become yes. a bondservant to their master. Why? Because they loved him. What they would do on the day of their release, they would stand at the doorpost mm -hmm. and declare, I love my master and I desire to be a servant for him and his house forever. And at that point, the master would take, I believe it's called an anvil, and push mm. it through the ear lobe yes. of the slave, marking him as a slave of love for his home. Why? Because he chose to serve the home. Well, see, Paul is saying that he, because of love, chose to be a mm -hmm. servant, a slave of Christ. So once again, it proves that it's not because he's some, you know, Jesus is some hard slave master. It's he's a loving, compassionate you know, yes. he just gave it all for yes. us. And because yes. of that, he's given us the opportunity to be mm -hmm. one of his servants. Wow, yes. what, an, what a word, an opportunity. You don't, yes. never would have thought of opportunity with the word slave. But yeah. in reality, with Christ, mm -hmm. we have the opportunity yes. to be his servant. Why? Because as a, one of his servants, we come under the hem of his robe yes. and under the hem of his glory. He provides us healing he provides us grace. He provides us peace. He gives us a conquering yes. ability above the foe that's trying to come against us. Yes. I mean, he is even our banner pastor. Yes. You know, yeah. he says that he, the us. banner over us is love. Yeah. What is the banner? In war, they yeah. would always take that out before the battle. Standard. 
Why exactly? Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. It's the standard that they're setting. Why? Because mm-hmm. the soldiers, a lot of times, what would they do? They would start to say, "Oh, I'm not going to die for this guy." Yeah. And so they, a lot of the soldiers would start to trail off. Well, the mm-hmm. banner would go before them, setting the standard as a focal point to keep off of the rhetoric and the noise from the enemy and the other things around them, because they knew if the soldiers could keep the eye on the standard, they would win the battle. And so Christ goes out before us as our standard. And that's one of the reasons he says, you know, purify your mind daily. We have all this junk that's coming against us in the news, in the yes, media, yes, people around yes. us, negativity, negativity, negativity. We're supposed to be putting the positivity mm-hmm. that he's given us in his word daily into our lives, not allowing the standard of the enemy to become our focus, yes. but instead to allow the banner that he is to be our focal point so that it's always before us setting the standard so that we can radiate his glory to the world. And it's 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 everywhere. It's the heart. It's the it's the foundation. Yes. Of what about and you know I, I look around today, Kirk, and and you know I can say I've been guilty of some of these things myself. Where you fall into preaching to the individual. Yes. Uh, about how what God will do for you. What you know. And yes, it is an individual walk and it's an individual confrontation of the Lord. But most of the New Testament is dealing with the plural of the people of God and what God does in it. You know, we, like most churches, or all churches, I guess, had to have a time where we were quarantined and we didn't have everybody here. Uh, You know, I was preaching to a camera, 10 or so people in the building, you know, to help us get it all done. But uh, last Sunday, we, you know, obviously we've been back for some time now, but last Sunday uh, we had a service and a young lady was leading us in worship, just anointed of God. And it just you just feel it, and the people start standing and worshiping and hollering and oh, yeah. shouting the victory, and and you know you just feel it, and you can't get that anywhere else but in the 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 group setting of that. And I'm just afraid that in Christianity today we've we've given the world, you know, I, I said talking about this Sunday, we've given them six flags over Jesus, we've given them fake smoke machines and lights and corporate themes and corporate ideas and slick marketing brochures and all of that type of stuff and you know the world's really not changed a whole lot and you look at the mess that's out here even today but why don't we go back and try to do it the lord's way why don't we all get surrendered to him what truly it means to be a christian is to make him lord of all these things you're talking about he's lord over it all and when you live that way you're lived as a conqueror now i will say this real quickly paul and you and i will go through a lot of misunderstanding when we do it the right way. Because Paul's enemies in Corinth and other places later, but definitely in Corinth, began to say, well, he can't oh, yeah. be of God. Look what all he's going through. That's not of God. He's not a strong leader. He's not looking sharp on the TV camera, and he's not doing this. And, you know, he can't be of God. And, you know, and Paul said that. But listen to what he says at the end after teaching this. He says, That's it. who is sufficient for these things? And the answer to that rhetorical question is no one you know no one is sufficient to be able to live a life of death with jesus living through us it's only by him doing it to and through us that we can ever experience this and then he throws this in there in verse 17 he said we are not as so many peddling the word of god uh, just real quickly that word pedal uh peddling you know the word of god that the idea behind that it was like people who had good wine and they cut it 
you know, half of it was they made water, yep. so they could multiply it, but they sold it as the full. So they're not they're not sincere. They're they're selling a product that they're you know using to. It's also people they used weights sometimes, and they would use the weights, and they would you know have their weights weighted, you know, in a way that would benefit them. Yep. And so he said, you know, they were doing that. I got to think of when I read this. You know, this is pretty quick after Jesus went back into heaven. You know. 20 years afterwards. I mean, Jesus is not even comfortable on the right hand of the throne. And people are using the gospel to make money. Uh, you know, and I mean, it was happening then. It happens today. Don't get your eyes on all that stuff. People are always, you know, misuse the thing. But get back to the real. And he said, but we are those with sincerity. And that's, that's the right. opposite of peddling. We're the ones that really in our heart are trying to do the right thing and live for him and allow him to live through us. And so you get misunderstood. You're gonna live. You're gonna live it this way. You know, some people might not uh, see you in a way that you're gonna do that. And Paul goes on to talk about, and that's really what this passage is talking about. The the ones in the train behind him are spectacles. You know, people are laughing. You thought you could rebel against Rome? Who do you think they're throwing things at them and everything? And he said, you know, I've made my life in a position. Where we got to always remember this. Paul yeah. was not a hero in his day. He was a hero after his day, like most saints are looked upon in, in that way. During his time, he was misunderstood. He ultimately is going to end up dying in a in a dungeon with nothing to show for himself except the church of Jesus Christ that was being born in all the cities that he had preached in. But at this time of death, you know, there was no one there. Uh, you know, all of those things, you know, you look at it, but it's only afterwards. So we look back with kind of a rose-colored glasses of what we know of him today, but during his life, he was willing to be that spectacle and live that. And I think that's the price yes. we have to pay. Jesus said it, and we'll end. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, take up your cross and follow me. And a cross was not a beautiful piece of jewelry. A cross that's was right. a torture method to kill people and execute them. And it was a cruel way to do it. And that's what Jesus said. He said, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to die. You know, that's the only one that's worthy to follow me as someone who's willing to die as I will lead the way in, in doing that myself. So that's powerful right. stuff here, Kurt. Oh, brother, that's very powerful. I think this is a great place to put a bow in it for yes. this moment. Hey, guys, we want to make sure that you're aware. Um, on Saturdays, we're starting to pre-record our show, and we'll, we'll be posting it up on Moose Ministries, uh, Inc.'s uh, Facebook page, mm -hmm. and also we'll be putting it on the Church of Trophy Lakes Facebook page as yes. well. So you can find it either place. Uh, if you want to pa contact Pastor Barry, be clinging at trophylakes.org, or you yes. can go to the mooseministries.com website, click on pray. If you have a prayer request, we'd love to hear from you there. We'd love to lift you up in prayer as well. Guys, we love you. God bless you. God bless you.